So let's see what the temperature is out. 81. Ah. I don't know about you. Last weekend, must last month, it's been totally, totally for the birds. Mid-90s, heat indexes into the hundreds, it's just too much. The heat, I don't like it. Uh, maybe it's the red hair. Uh, it's, it's said about those of us with this natural color that um, we, um, we, we don't tan, we stroke. Maybe it is that naturally I run a little hot. <laughs> I'm already kind of eh, maybe 98.9, you know, so a little extra added heat beyond that I don't do very well in. And in fact, in ways that at times in the past have not been a joke at all, uh, heat can be a real anxiety trigger for me. It's triggered actual panic attacks in my life. Um, a couple years ago. My wife and I were in Rome, one of my favorite cities in the world, in the middle of a heat wave in late July. Rome is gorgeous, beautiful, resplendent, and almost totally shadeless. <laughs> Unless you go down one of those real narrow places. If you're out on the main boulevards, avenues, the sun bakes you like Mediterranean clay. And so during this heat wave, and we were a long ways away from our hotel, and I wanted to be out and experience Rome. That's why we were there. I could feel those signs, those symptoms of an overheating body. The sweating, that's just a little too much. The tightness in my shoulders that starts to really vice-like happen. My body was starting to overheat and so were my thoughts starting to overheat. And a name came into my mind. James Gandolfini. Tony Soprano, who in Rome, not long before that, had dropped dead of a heart attack. Brain, not helping. <laughs> but, you know, I could see my mind starting to overheat. This is where all that mindfulness, all that sitting isn't about getting anywhere else. Just like Liz said, it's about arriving right here as skillfully as we can. And so we did something that seemed like the most wise thing we could do, at least for me. I asked my wife if we could go into a church for about the 25th time that day. And as we went into that church, the coolness, the quiet. The remove from the city noise and heat and sound. I could feel ah, relief. My shoulders start to drop. The breath get a little deeper into my chest. I could feel release and relaxing. And then I started to think, you know, churches for uh, centuries, spiritual communities of all kinds for centuries, for millennia, have been thought of as places of refuge. Sanctuary. In chaotic political times and times of deep spiritual need. But then I also got a different level of refuge. Refuge in body. From a place long before there was anything like AC. <laughs> People could go in the middle of the day and just experience a place to literally chill out. So uh, I'm aware that 
even on the hottest Roman summer day, it is far preferable to what it would be on the surface of Mars, which is what today's Spirit Flicks movie is all about, The Martian. About Matt Damon's character, Mark, who is an astronaut who is accidentally left behind on his crew, thinking him dead on Mars for what turns out to be two years. This movie is about making wise decisions in difficult moments and also about something more, about finding release, recovery, and refuge. So if you've seen the movie, I'm going to give a lot of it away. Just cover your ears or walk outside if you really don't want to have spoilers going on here today. Maybe that's someone telling you right now, leave before he tells you too much more. (laughs) Nope, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. So if you've seen the movie, you know that um, what happens is that he refashions through all the scientific ingenuity these devices left behind with the space colony. And that he is able to survive and make a way for himself against all the odds. He is able to, through a tarp and some fire and a bunch of elements, fashion a little bit of rain so that he can grow, yes, potatoes. This is the one thing that I knew about the movie. Those are my potatoes that I grew out back, but I did not grow them, sorry to spoil it for you, in human excrement. Because that's all he has left for compost because it's not very good dirt on Mars. So he has to take all the astronaut poop left over. When I was putting those potatoes in the ground or what became these potatoes, I figured, you know what? This cow manure that is so stinky, it's really not that bad. This movie is a picture of resilience, of what it is like to recover, to restore oneself in the midst of adverse conditions and circumstances. Resilience is something that's been getting an awful lot of press. Maybe you've heard about it in the last few years. Uh, Names like Brene Brown, who we talk about a lot here at Wellsprings, really associated with resilience, with courage. Resilience in education, resilience in raising children, resilience in the workplace. And resilience is associated, yes, with recognizing that life is so often difficult. And that once we recognize difficult, we have the opportunity to work with our circumstances in ways that can help transform our circumstances. It's about highlighting strengths, not just defects. It's got words associated with it like growth mindset and neuroplasticity and all this kind of stuff that I absolutely love and has been really core in my life these last number of years. And, or but, resilience has gotten like a lot of things in American society, especially when it becomes the next big thing, it's gotten overhyped. Especially when resilience is thought of just as an individual characteristic. Like it doesn't take into account the resources around us. Like I have a friend, a a colleague, who does ministry on the north side of Tulsa, Oklahoma, in what he calls one of the forgotten places of empire. Now, just to give you a sense of what this community, which is desolate in many ways, is like, just by being born into that zip code, North Tulsa, Oklahoma, versus a zip code just three miles away, your life expectancy versus that zip code three miles away is a decade to a decade and a half lower. Now, his ministry is all about resilience. His ministry is all about You know, recognizing they live in a food desert, so they grow their own food. It's about spiritual community and connection in places in which mass incarceration has desolated that community as well, too. So it's all about resilience, building skills. 
and at the same time, resilience that does not take into account the larger connections, how we're not all in equal circumstances, is resilience that actually can, can become a form of blaming the victim, blaming those who grow up in circumstances that may not be like our circumstances. So, yeah, resilience is a little overhyped. There is also something I must tell you called idiot resilience. I know because here's an idiot talking to you about idiot resilience. It was the summer of 2003 when I was 33 years old and going through the end of my first marriage and I had a lot of time to myself. And July 2003, even though it was in Florida, it was my first 100-mile month. I would get home 8, 9 o'clock, go out after it was dark, and run an awful lot. I was preparing for a half marathon that coming fall, the Space Coast Half Marathon, Cape Canaveral, Cape Kennedy. And I ran for the first half of that race, my best race ever. I mean, I got friends who can run half marathons in like an hour 20, an hour 25. That's not me. But I had set a goal. I was going to beat my personal record, not just my personal record. I was going to finish this half marathon in under two hours. And for the first six and a half miles, one long stretch out, one long stretch back, I was doing it. I was running 8.30, 8.45 every single mile. I was on target. Until about mile six or so, I started to notice just a little bit of pain in my right shin. So mile eight, mile nine, needed to slow down a little bit. I could just barely maybe squeak under the wire of two hours still, seeing that my times were starting per mile to elongate. And then mile... 10 mile 11, that nagging pain in my right shin became like someone stabbing me with every footfall. And so I had to start to walk 50 yards, run 50 yards. By miles 12 and 13, I was walking entirely and grimacing in such a way that the course marshal several times stopped and said, do you want to quit? We can ride you in. I said, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to finish. I've been training, and I finished. 2.17, 2.18. Didn't get the time I wanted, but I finished. And then all the adrenaline wore off, and I had about a half-hour walk back to my car. <laughs> I'm not making that up. Hopping at times because the pain was so great in my lower right tibia. A couple days later, I went to my doctor, and my doctor said, yeah, you have a stress fracture that was probably made a little bit worse by the fact that you finished the race. So I know what idiot resilience is. I'm proud of myself for finishing, but I couldn't run for the next four months because the damage I did was so great. Sometimes it is okay to let go. <laughs> sometimes it is okay to give up. And sometimes it is exactly the right thing to keep on keeping on. Stories of resilience are powerful, but resilience plus, I think, is more powerful. And I want to show you a story about resilience plus. Resilience plus. He was already resilient, Mark Redmond was. Imagine those months, years of training he put in, thinking he could maybe meddle. And then his hamstring gets torn. And he's already resilient, right? Because he's going to finish that hopping his way through. And then his dad finds him. Hugs him. 
leads him on. And that's when the tears start. That's when it can pour out. That is resilience plus refuge. Helped home. Toughness and tenderness. Not just the grit, also the grace. This is actually where I started to really enjoy this, this movie, The Martian. Because the second half of the movie, there is a real shift. The resilience is already there. But it's the refuge that comes in. After being out of contact, any kind of contact, he reestablishes text communication with NASA and with the community of astronauts, the ship that took off without him. And he starts to express a deeper, wider perspective beyond just what's keeping him alive. He says at one point, we hear this in a voiceover while he's typing it, and we also see him doing it. He says, every day I go outside and I look at the horizon, this strange, amazing horizon of Mars. He says, just because I can. He starts to take refuge in something bigger than himself. And yes, it is an absolute possibility and likelihood that Mark, the astronaut, will die on Mars. And as he comes to awareness that this could be his end, he texts these words, and we hear it again in a voiceover, to the other astronauts, tell my parents that I love what I do, and I'm really good at it, and that I am dying for something big and beautiful and greater than me. Tell them I said I can live with that, and tell them thank you for being my mom and dad. And towards the very end of the movie, and yes, spoiler alert, sorry, cup your ears up right now if you don't want to know how it ends, he gets rescued. That's the way movies like this kind of go. He gets rescued. But as he's just about to get rescued, and we don't know exactly what is going to happen, or how it's going to happen, he hears human voices for the first time time in two years in his ears and he starts bawling now maybe it's because you know what he's gotten this far through all his incredible resilience all his incredible ingenuity and maybe it's like oh my god it could all fall apart right now imagine the anxiety of that moment but i think it's something else plus that he's recognized for the first time in a long time that he's not alone He's actually heard other human voices speaking to him. Resilience plus refuge. Resilience alone, especially individual resilience alone, I know this. I met a lot of people like this over the years, a lot of really tough people. But resilience alone on its own, by itself, by yourself, is really freaking lonely and terribly exhausting. This is why so many spiritual traditions speak of the necessity of refuge. Why spiritual leaders and spiritual ancestors from Moses to Muhammad were in search of refuge at the most difficult times of their lives and finding it kept their ministries, their teachings alive. Because real resilience is not about rose-colored glasses. It's got nothing to do with blind faith. 
When we're really resilient, life very often stays difficult, stays tough, which is why I believe we absolutely need places of refuge, people of refuge, the breath as refuge, recognizing, as John Kabat-Zinn said, that when we know that we're breathing, we can remember that there is so much more right with us than there is wrong with us. At times of difficulty, we can forget that. Sometimes interpersonally we call this refuge a beautiful phrase that's become very popular in recent years. We call what it is to hold space for another person. Holding space, not to fix them, not to solve them, not to make them grow, but to be a witness to their capacity to recover in the midst of difficult circumstances. I remember the first person who shared something like this with me, who let them, who let me know that I had held space for them. She didn't even use these words. She said something like, you've made some space for me, and I am incredibly grateful. This was a woman who the entire time that I knew her over the space of four weeks in the summer of 1996, over 20 years ago now, it would have been July, when I was a hospital chaplain in New York, she never once got out of her hospital bed. She was as bald as an eight ball from the chemotherapy that was streaming through her veins. She had stage four cancer. And we spent a lot of hours together. I didn't do much. The doctors were doing all the work. I asked her a lot of questions. I prayed for her. I prayed with her. And out of that space, she came to some deeper awareness about what she wanted her life to be, regardless of how much time she had left. She decided that every time her kids came to visit, her kids six and eight, she was not going to bring up the subject yet that mommy might die. But she was going to make sure every time that she was with them that she handed off an intentional lesson about what was important to her. She decided that she was going to have to broach the difficult subject that her parents, that her husband, didn't want to face. She might die. They were all avoiding it, that she was going to face it head on because she had to be clear about what her life might be and what her death might be. She never got out of that hospital bed, not as far as I know. And she was one of the most resilient people that I have ever met. This is resilience plus refuge. Too often resilience in this culture becomes raise your kids to be resilient so that they can go to X college. (laughs) Be resilient at your work so that you can get Y promotion. I've got nothing against going to good colleges. I've got nothing against promotions. But that is cheap resilience. Deeper resilience always involves refuge. And I think it's something that we're missing right now as a culture. Especially in this beleaguering, embittered, challenging, difficult summer. It's probably going to stay this way in one form or another right up until around November 4th. And probably after that as well too. I like a meme that's been going around on the internet and Facebook that says this. Things are not actually worse We're just more aware of the way life is. 
we see more of the pain of the world, especially those of us who have lived fairly privileged lives than maybe we would have a decade ago, two decades ago, three decades ago, unless we were really intentional back then. We see refugees, evacuees from Aleppo, Syria, to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We see so many people, just like Mark, wanting to go home. Let's remember that the word refugee, where does it come from? It comes from refuge. So much hard-heartedness in our world right now about those who are homeless, as if, you know, they just weren't resilient enough they could solve their problems. This is total crap, of course, my friends. There are bigger forces arrayed against them than somehow they are just not individually resilient enough. This universal longing for home. If we honor it, I believe we'll also find the resilience that we're looking for as well, too. But not alone, not just as individuals. This is one of the reasons why finally I really like this movie. It was such a refreshing movie because it's so different from kind of the despair of this moment. (laughs) This is kind of like a can-do movie. It ends, and we're going to do this song in just a moment. It ends as the final credits roll with Love Train. It wants to say, you know what, we can do some great things still. We, not alone, despair, loneliness, danger are real. We, not alone, however, we can face it. These are two of the greatest truths I know, and they always belong together. We are more capable than we think we are, and we are more connected than we think we are. Both of those truths belong together. The truth of resilience, the truth of refuge. Like uh, Glennon says at the Monastery blog, I mean, you know this real well, we can do hard things. This is a moment for recognizing that we can do hard things, and that's the most important word in there. We can do hard things. More resilient than we think we are with resources of refuge, that if we would reach out for it and also just as importantly become it, we can remember we can do hard things. Amen. May you live in blessing. Pray with me. Breathing into and breathing out of the spirit, out of the divine, we recognize refuge is here within us. May we live around within according to this truth not just as individuals but recognizing that the myth of our separation is a cruel myth it keeps some people high and relegates some people low recognizing the truth of this refuge being it existing within it breathing it may we also come to know that we are indeed brave and strong and courageous Not because we are set apart. Not because we are separated. Because we belong. Because we are beloved in that belonging. The truth of refuge may visit us today. May we become refuge today. The truth of resilience. Life is tough. We are strong. Amen.